Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of WhoPod. My name is Blair Beveridge, and thank you for once again tuning in. When we started this podcast, it was to speak to the everyday human, to get to know them, and that really is still our focus. However, from time to time, we have the opportunity to speak to more well-known humans, including this week's guest. Now, I'm just going to dive right into this one. We broke format for this one. We just did long-form conversation, and it was glorious. Everybody, please enjoy Hoopod number 18 with our guest, Ryan Day. Okay, so technical <coughs> difficulties are now done. Let's dive into it. How you doing, yeah, sir? Don't say that yet. We aren't over the we aren't over the hump yet, I don't think. Uh, well, optimism is my best trait. How uh, you doing, sir? Pretty good, man. Um, pretty good. I've been really busy since I got back in from San Diego in LA because I'm going to to Seattle in uh, I guess four days. So you're coming to my neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, man. Well. I think we're trying to have a little meetup somewhere uh, in uh, in Seattle. So talk to the talk to the usual folks, I guess. I uh, don't know who's arranging it. Is that a Anna Anna Geeks type thing? Well, yeah. Well, you know, I'm supposed to hang out with those guys a little bit and probably probably be on Hyper RPG at least one night. Since I'm arriving, I'm going to be there like 11 days just because I'm taking a little, you know, to be honest, a break from the 100 degree heat here in Texas. <laughs> my contacts in Seattle tell me people are complaining about the 80 degree weather up there. Uh, <laughs> so I'll take that any day of the week, you know? Oh, I'm not complaining at all. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> Trust me. No, I, I'm with you, Ryan. I, I, ugh, well, you know, Canadian helps a lot, but uh, when we were actually down in San Diego, it was crazy because it was actually hotter in Toronto that weekend than it was in San Diego. Oh, really? Doesn't make sense to me at all geographically or in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was a lot harder hotter this year in San Diego than it was any of the previous years I've been there. Oh um, my God, it was so hot. <laughs> it turned uh, it turned pretty nice that kind of that last afternoon, and then it for did. like two out for two hours, and then it got shitty again. When the clouds so, were there, and we we're all yeah. like, yes, and then they went away, and we we're like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. None of this, you know. Like you pay like five hundred thousand dollars for a one room condo, and. You're mm. supposed to get nice weather with the deal. Like that's kind of why you're moved there. And now you you don't have it and you're like, Well, what did I pay for? Like shit. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh, so it's pretty cool you're gonna be on Hyper RPG. Uh they're they're friends of ours, uh, people we've we've spoken to and, and I've been trying to get Anna on the show for a while. So Anna, I'm calling you out. You're not as busy as you once were. <laughs> yeah, you should get her. She's pretty I mean, in the first place, she's really awesome in the first yeah, place. Uh absolutely. I was on uh, I was on the trivia hops with uh, uh, trivia hops. Yep, their show that they do. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty good time, and uh, I wanted to just I just wanted to do some more work with them. It's not expressly why I'm going to Seattle, but you know, since I'm there and all. I mean, from what I'm told, it's very similar to Vancouver, which to me was the most beautiful city I've ever been in. So, yeah, that's what my sister says. She used to sh- uh, shoot Supernatural there in Vancouver, and, right? Um, she says it's it's the food is good, but it's incredibly boring. The city, mm. but she's just like a she's a big city type of person though. Like I'm, I like I like medium sized cities. I guess like Seattle and Portland and and I guess my own city of Austin and uh, like Vancouver is supposed to have some of the best mountain biking in the world, and that's the kind of stuff that really gets my blood pumping. Not like you know stores like <laughs> having a Neiman Marcus or what the fuck there. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't particularly care that much. But each uh, their own, right? 
I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the whole time we were there, there was just so many people out doing athletics. And, you know, yep. even when you're, you're in the downtown across, across the bay is, is the, that big park, uh, which name is now eluding me out of nowhere, Stanley Park. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I could work downtown Vancouver, take a two-minute walk, and I'm in this massive forest. Yeah, I'll, I, I like this place. <laughs> I like this yeah, place a lot. That's my, kind of, that's my kind of town right there. Um, me as well. But, you know, my sister's from L.A., and there's not a tree to be found anywhere, so... <laughs> it's like what you're used to. What, what are these big green things? Like these are, yeah. they're frightening See, me. They're alien. I think it'd be a colossal shock for me when I finally get to go to America and all the big cities because so many Londoners and New Yorkers come to Sydney and they say it's pretty much a country town. And to me, Sydney oh, really? is effing huge. Yeah, like it, it's bustling to me, but apparently it's tiny to everyone else. Well, you're you're in a suburb that doesn't have a big populace, right, Terlin? Oh yeah, we've got. I'm in a country town at the moment, so when I go to the big city, you know, it's bright lights and yeah, it's nothing <laughs> to all the big New Yorkers. I've never been to to Australia yet. I I quite want to go, but uh, yeah, you have to change that. Hasn't been on the menu yet, but I really want to travel some more. Um, have not. I guess I just haven't made it happen yet. You know, I went to uh, I went to Europe last year. Last late May, early June, and I, I promptly got sick three days into my trip and I spent no. the next I spent the next five feeling like shit and then I spent the next two after that kind of feeling okay before it was time to go home again. So that was kind of a shitty trip. But uh, from what I saw when I wasn't sick, I it was like, oh, I could really get used to this, this travel thing. Now, you've traveled around the U.S. a lot because... Yeah, I've been most everywhere. It's kind of all the same with a couple of regional differences, you know, but... But America's pretty homogenous. There's when you get right down to it, if you if you ignore like the regional accents and a couple of regional food items, like you go Starbucks, go to McDonald's, you know, it's all mm. you know, same car models everywhere. Likely sh- same political opinions, you no know, regional <laughs> differences there, but it's true. You know. I, it was a big shock for me when, uh, because Canada, and I guess I guess the U.S. is now. We we're we're still on good terms with Cuba, and we went. I went to Cuba about oh God ten years ago or so. It was like the the America in the fifties, but with a lot of poverty. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. where all your cars went was to Cuba. It was insane. Yeah, they've kept them running on like coal and shit. From what I heard, it's pretty, they're pretty. It's pretty resourceful, and you, you know, when you don't have that much else, when you're government's all fucked up and the most powerful nation in the world has basically boycotted you. So Cuba is uh, kind of like fallout in real life? Yeah, you know, it's like they, they're largely agrarian. They have state-controlled economy. And uh, Americans, I think, can go to Cuba now. I think they started, uh, started allowing Americans or to, to travel there from America. You could always go there yeah. if you like hopped from, uh, from like Honduras or something. You could always catch a flight. But uh, you can actually legit go to Cuba now, I think. And, and I mean, for someone who's been there, it's it's going to do nothing but help Cuba, in my opinion. Like as much as the, it's beautiful, um, the poverty is is insane, but the food is very difficult to come by. Um, there's just uh, not a. I doubt that'll change. I mean, well, it's going to be like uh, it's going to be it's going to be stratified just like every other Latin American country that the U.S. has access to, and so. Uh, I guess that's fair. But that's a, that's getting into politics. You know, with the, <laughs> the the Honduran military junta, which was was uh, supported by our current Democratic presidential candidate and so on. So, you know, I don't, I don't have too much hope for, for the, you know, poor in Cuba getting too much better of a deal than they have now. So, 
Yeah, I guess that's that's fair. I mean, one trip we we wanted to make sure we went into what they called real Cuba one of the times, and we went in. It was a shock. I'd never actually seen a third world country before, and it mm-hmm. really humbles you and really makes you check your privilege at the door. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I mean, there's places in America, like in the Appalachians and um, you know parts of Alabama and Mississippi, where people are just a, about as grindingly impoverished as they are in in some parts of the third world, but um, even even our worst off generally have it quite a bit better off than than the poor and third world nations. Um, so that's tor- pretty tragic. There's more than enough shit to go around for everybody, you know, right now. But it's true. Now, if you had a travel bucket list, what what would your top three be? Um, I'd really like to go to Lisbon, Portugal. I'd like to go to Montevideo in uh, Uruguay. Uh, Buenos Aires is on the list. Barcelona, Madrid. I hear a lot of good about Spain specifically. Yeah, it's uh, I've, everybody I know who's gone to Spain has like instantly fallen in love with it. Like the food, the the culture is sort of like France, where they really admire like aesthetics and beauty in their public buildings and stuff, but they're not as kind of snobby and uptight as the French are. Um, I was so proud. I took um, a DNA test to find out what kind of nationalities I have in me. And I have pretty much everything according to it. I have a little bit of French. I have Spanish. And I have European Jewish, which I didn't know Mm. was an actual race. I thought, because I thought Jewish was a religion. So I was really confused. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Yeah. Look, I'm really naive with that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I got that. What did you do? Twenty three and Me, or was there like a yeah. Australian version? Yeah, I did that too. Um, oh, what did you get? So I got uh, I got typical American Scotch Irish kind of mutt mm. combined with Northern European like uh, German, Poland, and you know Scandinavian countries, which makes sense given what I know about my uh, heritage. But the funny thing is, it's kind of like what you said. The uh, they came up with point two percent Ashkenazi Jew. It's just uh, no it was way. Just, yeah, which is pretty startling to me to have that kind of just tossed in the pot along with, you know, typical European genes. Uh, you know, you learn, learn something Jewish. new. Yeah, learn something <laughs> new every day, right? But this was like the Ashkenazi Jews. These are like the, the ones from Africa. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I, take it. I took Why the, not, dude? I took the same test and I've got 1.3% uh, Chinese and I'd love <laughs> to find out how that happened because you look at my I'm family sure it's not and a you're like, well, I mean, you look at my family and you're just like, there is no way any of you came oh, from no, any I'm, Chinese blood. I, I miss, I misspoke. Ashkenazi are, are uh, like Central European. So, uh, no, I'm not, not from Africa. I mean, we all are, but, you know. Yeah. No, I, I have a very boring on my dad's side. It is 100% Scottish, like mm-hmm. right back. Um it was when we were tracing our family name um, when I got married because I wanted to wear the proper kilt to 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 pay the proper respect. It was like, yep, did right back into Scotland, but our family name disappeared for two hundred years because apparently some some one of our females in our family line married into royalty, and then the marriage ended, and then we didn't exist for two hundred years. Hmm. So I'm not quite sure what that was about, and I don't know what she did, but it's probably not that good. Or what was done to her is probably more realistic. The princess yeah. was in a different castle. Yeah. 
I found out something really interesting. I had no idea that the Queen of England isn't the uh, real royal bloodline. That's right. You, so- yeah, it was usurped. We actually had the real King of England in Australia. I think he died a couple of years ago, but that blew my mind. Well, the original King, perhaps. Yeah, the yeah, ori- yeah. Death. Well, what, what does that mean anyway? Like, uh, you know, you had the you had the Anglo-Saxons, and then the Normans came, and mm. it's yep. uh, it's just all tangled up. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, what if the uh, what if the uh, Battle of Hastings had gone the other way, or you know, all those different what ifs, right? We would so, say this is why I like the show Sliders. Have you ever watched that? Oh, oh I, I used to love that show. Absolutely yeah. loved it when I was, I was a kid. Jerry O'Connell, that professor. one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it was that actually John, filmed here in and, Toronto. <laughs> and John Rice Davis too. Don't forget him, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Derek McGrath. I remember Derek McGrath because my mom worked with his brother. And she kept saying, you got to watch the show. you got to watch the show. I was like, I'll, I'll watch anything sci-fi-ish. Sure, no problem. Mm-hmm. So I quite enjoyed that. You know what show I really miss, though, was Quantum Leap. I loved Quantum Leap. Oh, with Scott Bakula and stuff? Yeah, that, yeah. Was, a pretty gr- that was a pretty great show. My sister really was into that one. Oh, I was, I, that was the one. I mean, they tried to do something similar a few years back with a show called Journeyman that uh, I really liked, but it, it didn't get picked up for a second season, which made me very upset. Yeah, time I didn't, travel I didn't watch jam. that one. I heard about it. Yeah, time travel is pretty cool, man. It makes you <laughs> makes you think. It was really cool as a kid to see time travel movies because oh yeah, you don't really know you don't really know shit about anything, and then you always learn something about some other historical period in a half hour show. So it's always worthwhile. <laughs> if you could write, produce, and direct, and make your own sci fi TV series, what would you do? Do you think? Like just the ultimate sort of fantasy that you could play in. I don't know. You know, I'm kind of a dystopian kind of dude. You know, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I very much am a thinker in the kind of Philip K. Dick, uh, the Philip K. K. Dick way, and and in that, if you look at like a uh, Blade Runner, the adaptation of, of right. Andor's Dream of Electric Sheep, right? The the and this is kind of what we're seeing now is there's a kind of a breakdown between artificial minds and and. I guess, natural human minds. And then you get into the question of like, what is consciousness and, you know, would robots eventually have, you know, human rights? And uh, at that point, are human rights, is that even the correct term anymore, right? Mm. So, uh, you know, we've been like the foremost species of animal in the entire world for, you know, for quite some time now. And then what happens when we're not, right? What happens when we can, we create something that is a deeper thinker than us and a, a more effective everything that we do. I completely um, believe Skynet's going to happen. It's going to be called something else, but I totally believe it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like IBM Watson, they don't even know how that fucking thing works. They're mm-hmm. not even sure. Like they, it, it, it takes input and then it gives output and, and what it does in between those two points, they're not even sure what it does anymore. They couldn't tell you if they, if you asked them, you, they couldn't tell you exactly what it's doing. Skynet so, is going to happen in the form of Pokemon Go. I mean, let's 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 just face it. Up to now, I mean, it was pop, more popular. It's more popular than pornography for right now. For crying out loud, really? <laughs> I think that's our I, answer I know, right there. I know it passed Twitter, but it passed porn too. It did. That's impressive. I mean, that's probably because there's a lot of kids playing it. You know, like eight-year-olds, dude. True. Yeah. This is true. Good point. But like yeah, to, to, to to dive deeper into your your answer like if you get into the questions like well what is the human mind is the mind something that exists we know that the brain is something that exists but mm. but what's a mind right have you ever seen a mind has anyone ever extracted a mind from a body of a human being 
what I mean, no, you've that. you've extracted a brain, right? And well, what is the is the brain a process that runs in the mind? Well, no, because just like people used to think that the brain or just when, when hydraulics were the shit in terms of science, people thought the brain worked like a hydraulic machine, right? And now that computers are the foremost technology, people think the brain works like a computer, but it doesn't. It doesn't store data. It doesn't recall data. It doesn't process data like a computer processes an executable file or input. It's like its own thing. Um, and so we're creating another thing that's its own thing. Definitely. And so and that's even a, fascinating to me, you know? Yeah. Even a lot of ancient tribes used to believe that the soul was in the mind. So they would drill a hole in the skull when someone died. So that way the the mind, the soul could escape. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Even um, even my book actually touches on that a little bit about the concept of consciousness transferal. So I just think we're in a great age where we're starting to learn a little bit more about it, which is really exciting. One. One of the Dan Brown books touched on it too. The whole premise was that the, the, the human soul was real. They had somebody who was literally on their deathbed put into like a, a, a chamber where everything was controlled. And as soon as they died, they realized that the body had lost a little bit of weight. And that was the whole concept of the book, that the soul was real. Wasn't and, there a movie like 20 Grams or something like that that had that premise? Yeah, it was, I think it was very similar to so that sort of thing. A yeah. Sean Penn movie or something like that? Like that's the weight of the human soul when you die? Uh, but yeah, so that that's the kind of movie I would direct would be exploring something in that in that mode, you know, where somehow the line of what is alive and what is not alive has been has been blurred somehow, and mm. there will be social and and uh, social repercussions to that, and that's the kind of stuff that Philip K. Dick explored. Cool. Well, I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what sort of TV show were you watching? If you know your sister is off watching Quantum Leap and such. Um. We only had we only had one TV. I wasn't I wasn't too incredibly interested in TV to be honest with you. We uh, I watched Nickelodeon shows sometimes. I really loved Mystery Science Theater three thousand when I was a kid. That was one of my favorite shows. But you know that's kind of like well known at this point. Um, I used to watch some Saturday morning cartoons, but I I spent a lot more time reading and on the computer than I did watching TV most of the time. I just didn't find TV all that gratifying compared to reading books to be honest. Um, shows like Quantum Leap, things like that were... And of course, I really loved uh, Star Trek. I really loved the Star Trek shows. The Next mm-hmm. Generation was pretty new when I was uh, a kid of TV watching age. So, and X-Files too. Uh, I really, really liked X-Files. That was a great show. I, uh, and, I was... uh, and there was another show that was fairly short-lived called Millennium, which was a... Uh, it was, I think, another Chris Carter show, but it was about a, a doomsday cult. That was trying. I guess what ended up happening was that they were trying to bring the apocalypse on or something. So it had it starred Lance Hendrickson, and it was uh, it was very like ponderous and heavy and dark in tone. And that was the kind of affect that I kind of had as a kid and a young adult. I suppose I was about sixteen when that show started coming on. I guess, mm. and so it appealed to me on a more visceral level of of having that kind of more bleak, more dystopian worldview. And X-Files was the same way if you stuck to right. the, the p- overall plot arc of the show as opposed to like the monster of a week shows uh, episodes. So It got to a point with when, when it came to X-Files is that when they were doing Monster of the Week, I was almost like, because uh, I just wanted the storyline to continue. But Yep, same here. Oh, exactly. I, and it kind of started to lose me at the end, so I would just, you know, ask my friends, like, did they did they go with storyline this? Yes, they did. Okay, so I'll watch that one because I'd record them all, but I would just, you know, I'd I, I'd gone back and seen them all since, and and they yeah. 
still hold up in a lot of ways. I really enjoyed the revival, but yeah, I, I needed that plot to move along. Yeah, the, you know, there were some fun Monster of the Week episodes, but it's just, it goes down to the fact that, that almost every TV show out there, they just got to keep pumping blood through the shambling corpse of the show, you know, to keep people watching. And, and like, inevitably, it's like the show ends way after the show should have ended. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, if you look at shows like uh, like Breaking Bad, for instance, it's like, well, it ended beautifully. It had a, Infection. like... Yeah, it was pretty much perfect. It it had a distinct arc for every character. It had an overall arc for the series, and then it died. And it was like, oh, that's exactly what should have happened. And what I'm really into are these new shows um, that are ensemble, like uh, True Detective, which I didn't think too highly of. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, and of course Fargo, which is perfection, is that every every season is one distinct story arc, and then mm-hmm. the next season is something completely different. And so it keeps the show fresh, right? Now, do the actors stay the same as they do in like America Horror Story? They just get different roles? Nope. Uh, I oh. think uh, uh, True Detective Season 1 and 2 are completely different. And then I think Fargo Season 2 was completely different than 1, although I haven't watched Season 2 yet. So, See, I, it, it's, I've gone the exact opposite. As a kid, I was very TV-friendly or heavy because that's what my, my house was. We were very, I was very much into sitcoms. I really enjoyed sitcoms and yeah. watched a lot of cartoons and sci-fi stuff. But as I got older, I've become less and less interested in TV. Like it, it's The old way of doing media has just become so much less interesting to me. They all just kind of look the same in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and when you find something that's different, I latch onto it, and I usually consume it like, like it's oh, yeah. normal. But then For it becomes sure. a commitment, a time commitment at that point in time. So, I think it's like two things. Is one, TV is better now than it's ever been. The the only thing, like there was a TV show called Hill Street Blues, which kind mm-hmm. of revolutionized how TV was made in terms of dramas. And uh, ever show, since, yeah. yeah, cop show. And ever since the blueprint of Hill Street Blues, TV has just gotten better and better and better. Like if you look at at shit like The Wire, that would have been unthinkable. And like the golden age of television, like the 1950s or 60s or whatever. Yep. And as an art form, I think it's been getting much, much better. And it's really funny because like people are like, oh, this stuff rots your brain. But when in actuality, it's far more, I think, thought provoking, socially aware and, you know, valuable a medium than it's ever been. Now, you're... Now that you've done some behind the camera, or sorry, in front of the camera work, um, in the new media space, I'm 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 figuring you haven't done uh, figuring you haven't done anything in in the traditional media space. But do you see things differently now that you've been you know on, on the camera so much? I mean, yeah, you gain a lot more appreciation of what it means to work really hard and be really good at at uh, at acting and and other parts of being behind the camera, right? Mm-hmm. There seems to be like a, a Aristotelian ladder of you know quality when people are talking about professions like uh, engineers and scientists and astronauts and like the, the, and I used to subscribe to that, but in the actuality, like doing anything well is really fucking difficult. Yep. Doing, doing anything well is really hard and takes a lot of time and, you know, determination to reach success and to reach equality. And so like having, having done that, it's given me a lot more appreciation for people who choose to do it as a living because I mean, I put an eight-hour day in, and I program mm-hmm. my computer software. Mm-hmm. But it's like you can be on set for like 14, 15 hours a day, you know? Yep. And then you have to be on. You have to be actively depleting energy from your energy reserves to do the job well. 
And for, for someone as introverted as I am naturally, it doesn't come easily, you know? I but you realize... I would never peg you to be introverted, though. Not to cut you off, I would never peg you to be introverted. I mean, you, you can... You have a store of energy, and then mm-hmm. you, you can draw and from it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then after it's gone, I, I think... I think people use the term introvert and extrovert generally incorrectly. It's not like you don't like people or right. you can't act enthusiastic. You know, you're not like, what's the word, like laconic and, uh, you know, reticent all the time. It's that you just use up a lot of energy when you're in social situations. And then people who are really extroverts, they tend to be energized by those kinds of situations, you know. Yeah, there's. I mean, I I could. I've been. I've done the whole testing thing out, and I am an introverted extrovert, whereas my wife is very yeah. different. She's the extroverted introvert. So when she's on, you, you'd swear she's an extrovert, but when you see her ninety percent of her days, she's very quiet to herself. Whereas for me, I'm very quiet to myself. But when I'm in a social situations, I'm usually, as you say, I draw the energy from that, and I really mm-hmm. really enjoy that. So I mean, we're all we're all wired differently. We're all done things differently, yeah. and. But when a camera's on, you know what you have to do, and you can spend yeah, that it's energy. A, it's a it's a job, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like when you fly in, uh, on average, are you there for like a few days, and then you shoot like a ton of episodes, or is it just kind of? Yeah, it's like uh, two day trips, and then we do shooting usually like a Saturday and a Sunday, or a Friday and a Saturday, and it's generally four episodes per day, and that will usually take about eight hours. Is that fourth episode tough to do, or do you still keep that energy reserve going? It's funny. The first episode is usually not that great. The second and third are usually the best, and then the fourth one usually starts dragging again. And it makes sense. Warm up, and yep. then you hit, your, you hit your stride, and then the fourth episode is kind of you're on your, you're on your last legs. So I do a very similar thing when I'm golfing. I, I have yeah. this great middle nine where the first mm-hmm. three or four holes I suck, last three or four holes I suck, but that middle nine I seem to do very well. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's the it's the sweet spot, you know. Good stuff. Now, what? Obviously, you're saying how books and the in the computer were your your main draws as a kid. Um, how, I mean, I'm in, I'm a computer guy. That's that's the realm I'm in. My dad mm-hmm. dropped me in front of a PC and said, "Okay, here's a manual on DOS. Go crazy." What yeah. was it? What was it with you? What drew you into that world? I mean, no, I think I said this during the panel. I got a very similar question on. Uh, on the Geek and Sundry panel at Comic-Con a few weeks ago. And uh, I guess I've kind of, over the years, I've refined the answer down to where it's just like I was a really lonely kid and it was something that interested me. And eventually with online services like, you know, CompuServe, I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah. CompuServe and Genie and Prodigy, these kind of proto-internets, they allow you kind of a gateway that you can use to interface with the outside world, you know? Mm-hmm. And you and you can control it. It's not entirely passive, right? And in, in some manner, like uh, chatting or on bulletin boards and so forth, it's like very active. Yep. And so that's that's kind of what hooked me. And uh, you know, in and in terms of programming, it's just kind of cool to make something do what you tell it to do. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just uh, it's really good for lonely kids to do. I mean, you have uh, and and if you're lonely, a smart or a smart kid who doesn't find much in common with his peers, his age, right? Like you think there are dumbasses and dumb shits, which I did. Mm. Um, then you can actually like converse with adults and they don't know you're a kid, which is pretty cool. Mm. You know, 
I, I remember the, for me when the internet became a thing, all I wanted to do was speak with people from other countries. Like that was yeah. the beginning and the end of it for the first few months for me because that, that was what the internet was supposed to do. Like we never as a family traveled. I, I li- we literally went on one family vacation my whole life. I think I took my first flight when I was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I just didn't go anywhere. So that's, that's what the internet was, was this big wondrous thing for me before that. Much like yourselves, I just liked telling a computer to do something and it, and it could and knowing how to do that. Yeah, if you're shut in a lot and you don't get too many, much opportunity to go outside, you know, because I was homeschooled, as you know, and yep. you don't have too much that's broadening your horizons in the physical world, it was really a boon to have something that uh, had the possibility of providing that for you. Um, and so I guess that's what got me hooked on the internet stuff. But in terms of computers and computer gaming, it's just like it was the same sort of thing. It was, uh, it was something that was an, a portal into another realm, really, is what computer wow. games were. And it was something that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have uh, the way that, you know, my youth turned out. So right. Now, my, my best friend, he actually, uh, him and his wife, homeschool their kids. So mm-hmm. I, I get to see their whole arc on things. And the, t- and the one thing that they are always challenged with is socialization. I mean, they, sure. they get their, the, 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 the one son is into sports, so that is fairly well taken care of. And though he yep. loves the sports, he has a very difficult time relating to his teammates. Sure. He's very, very into the game. Like he's super studied on the game, but he, he just has difficulty talking with them. And the other kids, they have similar kind of issues where they, they seem to relate better to adults than they do to Yeah, to story, story of my life. Yeah, exactly. I, I I empathize completely with that. It uh, it sounds very very familiar. You saying that with respect so, to my own experiences. So, right is is this just because from an intellectual level you found them to be dumbasses, or did you just didn't understand why they did the things that they do? Your peers. Yeah. Well, let me think for a second. Like, if I had to say, well, what if I had to jump back into my 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 kid self and look at the situation? Is that, um, you know, you're just not trained with the same responses as they are, right? Uh, you know, public school and shit, that's like a Lord of the Flies type situation. Like, and yeah. <laughs> what, other, what other fucking situation in human history have you let a bunch of kids run around and make the rules for each other, right? Nothing, mm-hmm. man. That's like without parallel in like human civilization, right? It's like uh, way back when you would just put the little shit out in the farm fields and have them, you know, pull a plow or whatever, have the, <laughs> the not him pull a plow maybe, but, you know, tend to the oxen or whatever. Like, you don't put large groups of, of adolescent children and have them make rules for each other, right? And then, mm-hmm. so when you're homeschooled, you're around a very adult set of rulemaking and you watch adults obs- uh, you watch adults interact with each other and you see that, you know, you go to the store or whatever and you see adults interact with each other as like polite human beings and you see that, that social dance of being an adult, which is completely different than the social dance that kids develop being in this kind of, you know, Lord of the Flies type situation in the school hallways and such. Did and, you, it, it, and if you look, it's really funny because like, because like adult behavior isn't really that different from kid behavior. It's just mm. more disguised, right? Yep. And so if I had to say, you know, what did my kid think? My kid thought, yeah, they were, these are a bunch of fucking dumb shits, right? Right. Um, whereas now I would have a more nuanced perspective and I would say you just learn different things from watching people you are around more, you know? You, you, you learn a lot of like, you know, how to be polite and to people, you know, like, oh, how do you conduct yourself like an everyday business? But like what you never end up learning as a homeschooled kid 
is you never end up learning shit like how to ask a girl out or anything, right? Mm. Because that's not it's not a situation you're gonna run into like out in the world with your parents going to the fucking bank or whatever, right? Is you don't you don't really learn intimate interpersonal skills. Like that's the kind of stuff that you really really get behind on that you have to really catch up on in your like late teens, early twenties to be, you know, embarrassingly honest about it. Um that that's the kind of stuff that really, really suffers. It's sort of the the intimacy with another human being like like your peer. Because it's yeah. it's one thing it's one thing to lack like the sort of blustery, like bullshit guy stuff, which is one thing I never really got exposed to is sort of like the Oh, the I typical, wish the typical guy behavior in American culture. But I also never got you know any exposure whatsoever to like you know male female interplay, um, which, as you might guess, is pretty valuable. You know, it's something that you you have a longing for. It's very valuable. I mean, as like that age, right, a teen, early twenties, and it feels very bad when you're really incompetent at that stuff. So that's well, I think that's what really suffers. It's not the fact that the kids like in sports, you know, that's cool, you know, but it's the fact that. He's not going to learn, like, not necessarily how to be cool, but that he's not going to learn how to be intimate. You know, he's not going to learn the lesson of how to be intimate in a in a healthy way. And I, I went through, I, th- I went through several. Sorry to interrupt you, but I went through yep. several, like, very, I guess, toxic relationships before I finally got my feet under me on that realm. The thing about so, it is, it's all these lessons that you learn. A lot of them are just bullshit, anyway. And you end up having to go through the same toxic crap that you went through. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you me, might be right. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent this whole time observing other people. I started dating when I was 16, and I was like watching all these other people have relationships. Even my younger sister was having relationships, and I got yeah. all these ideas of things I should do. So when I actually had that first girlfriend, I tried to do them all within the first month, and it was right. just – I, she ran away, like it, it, as she should. I was, I was smothering her. Yeah. I just, I had no idea because it's the same sort of stuff. Unfortunately, with a lot of this, it's trial and error. Yeah, but being in the high school context, I guess you get to start the trial and error a little more early. That's fair. That's fair. You know, no, I'll give you that. And I think being an only child as well. I, I went to a public school, but I always felt a little bit older because, uh, sort of similar to you, my interaction was with adults when I wasn't mm-hmm. at school. So I always felt like everyone was horrible word to use, but inferior. I felt like they were dumb. And really <laughs> <frustrated> yeah. <me>. Yeah. <laughs> so, but funnily enough, now that I am a teacher, I've got to say this new generation of kids, they just seem to be a little bit more switched on. They're mm-hmm. sort of more mature and they'll come in with bizarre theories like, you know, they'll sort of say, you know what, what if aliens made us and blah, blah, blah. And you go, that's a really weird childish concept. But the way they articulate it and the way they explain it, you go, that's yeah. quite intelligent. Yeah, it's really quite good. Yeah, and, I mean, um, if everything, yeah, everything feels less constrained now than, mm. you know, there's a wider variety of ideas that are considered acceptable and normal. Yeah. Even thinking back, it's like, uh, and as, or as late as 1995, right? You guys saw this. It's like a Walmart pulled a shirt with a cartoon with a girl saying, one day a woman will be president. Like Walmart pulls that shirt off their shelves because it's too controversial. The statement on the shirt Ugh. is too controversial, right? And, and so now in the US, now we're finally entertaining the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seems to me that as time goes on, I think as human knowledge increases and as systems like the internet increase collaboration and the availability of data and knowledge, the variety of ideas that are available for consumption invariably broadens. 
and mm-hmm. so does the discourse available, and so does the the realm of acceptable ideas also increases. You know, like homosexuality, women's mm-hmm. being presidents, things of that nature. So I think kids are a lot smarter now than they were when I was a kid. Yeah, well, definitely. Oh, sorry. I was just about to say, uh, Ryan, have you ever heard of a Steiner school? Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. they're really, they're growing. Um, we have one just a couple of hours from here in the Blue Mountains. And what it does is it teaches the kids to learn in a different way. So instead of being cooped up in a classroom, they'll say, all right, everybody take your shoes off. We're going outside. We're going to enjoy the sunlight oh. and we're going to learn how to grow food. And it yeah. sounds a bit Amish, but it's just, it, it, I think every school should do it really. We have sounds like a here. Montessori, Montessori, right? Yeah. yeah Montessori. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. You, you um, basically educate the children based on what they excel at or everyone's yes. got their own kind of special teaching program, which yeah. is good. A lot of my friends put their kids in Montessori now. Yeah, it's yeah. not rote, rote memorization and, and shit like that, you know. And that's why um, when I was in year five and six, I was in something called the OC class, which is an opportunity class for the gifted and talented, and you had to take a special test for it. And everyone assumed that it was the smart kid class, but it wasn't. It was for the kids who just thought a little bit differently. And yeah. so we would learn to choose our own assignments. If I wanted to do an assignment on Pokemon, fantastic, you could do that. If you wanted to sit on the desk, you could do that, but the only problem was when you went into high school, you were assimilated, assimilated again, and you would have to learn to follow the rules yeah. and have to do everything they said. So it kind of screws you around a little bit. Well, I mean, school isn't necessarily meant to like teach people. School is generally mm. meant to uh, make obedient citizens, which is completely different than mm. you know what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get too controversial, but there's another thing that used to do that and still does in some places called religion. So, yeah, I mean, as a as an atheist, I I've actually moderated my feeling. I, I've been, I've I've been through the whole gamut of you know internet asshole, offensive atheism. You know, back in my mm-hmm. my yep. late teens, early twenties, to my current my current kind of holistic viewpoint. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I just want people to be happy. However that you get there, I don't care. Just be happy. Yeah, that's kind of where I've gotten to. It's like, you know, do it, do you, and then we only have problems if you start, you know, enforcing public policy to be like your, yep. your personal religious feelings, you know, and then, then I have problems with it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the whole like, uh, you know, hijab, burqa, abaya sort of thing that's... Mm-hmm going on in, in the discourse here in, in many Western European countries and here in the US too is uh, you know pillaring Muslims for uh, for their their religion's choice of dress code while completely ignoring the fact that Mennonite Christians often enforce plain dress and hair coverings on their women and mm-hmm. of course Orthodox Jewish women also tend to wear mm-hmm. wigs uh, to, per, to uh, hide their hair as well mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah if you look it up it's just how the, it's just how they run their thing, man. It's mm-hmm. I mean, what can you say? You know, we expect a woman to be dressed a certain way in our society too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton being made fun of for a pant, for her pantsuit, for example. It's like you can't ignore, you can't complain about the moat in someone's eye when you're ignoring the the plank in your own, you know. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. Joey, how did you find school? I mean, you were you grew up in the East Coast, right? Yeah, uh, I grew up in a little small football town uh, back in Maine, and high school for me, it 
I don't know. Like, academic-wise, it didn't really start to get great until my sophomore year when um, they had this thing called the sophomore team, and they would take 45 or so students that didn't do so great their freshman year and pull them together and operate teaching a different way. And I was very thankful for that because otherwise I would probably never finish high school to begin with. Um, but I noticed hmm. that the only way that you were going to get by through high school was if you were su- part, really part of some kind of program. Otherwise, you know, you might end up like, you know, a baby daddy or, you know, the baby mama <laughs> pretty much. Um, so my, my senior year of high school was where I was like, all right, I'm getting involved with civil rights. I'm getting involved with the newspaper, the yearbook. I'm getting involved with this, 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 and this cheerleading, everything. And Overachiever. I, <laughs> I, I did. I became overachiever that year, and somehow I I graduated, you know, on honor roll, which was really great. Um, but after after all that's done, any emotional stress that you go through, it's true when adults tell teenagers today, like, don't stress over this while you're in school right now, because as soon as you graduate, it's not going to matter anymore. And And honestly... It's it's the truth because after I graduated, I was like, you know what? None of this bullshit mattered to me any, anyway. Like I'm not yeah, it's funny, anymore. Funny how that works. It's funny yeah, how you, that works. You wouldn't have known that. I mean, at the time, they're telling you beforehand. You're like, no, this is my whole world. And then you can look back yeah. and go, oh no, you're right. I mean, it's the same as me. I was I was institutionalized. I I did what I was supposed to do from the moment I was into school until I got into college. And then it wasn't until college that I sat and I started questioning things. I'm like, no, no, I just did what they told me to do. And why is it? Well, you know, what? Where's the profit? You know, sort of idea. <laughs> and you had to really kind of start saying, all right, well, I've been full. I've been sold a bag of bullshit. Now, what do I have to do to exist in this world? And yeah, um, it's pretty amazing you, how late it's in life. I figured out that all the adults who were guiding me were just as yep. like scared and unsure of things as I was, and that I think that directing your kid and teaching them like different things, like this is how you go through life, is actually their way of like giving themselves some solace and mm-hmm. putting some structure in someone else's life is what gives structure to them, you know. Because Absolutely. imagine that they're going to work every single day and their boss is probably chewing their ass out and they probably have very little control over everything. And so they're like, oh, I want my kid to feel like secure, like there's a system or something like that. When like everything in the world is just fucked, you know, at some point it'll be fucked, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, how did, what got you into martial arts? Oh, uh, this story has been told many a time. Essentially, it comes down to like my mom offered me the choice of Boy Scouts or taekwondo lessons and so i took the latter Mm. at the time and so i just did it for like what seemed like forever it was just kind of the thing that i did that was uh you know physical activity but you're you're still into mma that's still a thing that you're into right oh yeah oh yeah what keeps you interested in in like bjj and the rest of the mma world i mean to me it's the most it's the it's the most fascinating kind of intricate uh martial arts activity there is it's very it's about as real as it can get and it's effective in real life situations. And it's a very mental, very thinky kind of a sport in terms mm. of the grappling aspect of it. It's extremely, it's an extremely intellectual sport. I remember back many in martial the- arts that are traditional, uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, mm-hmm. Like many martial arts that are considered traditional martial arts, like karate and Kung Fu and, and Taekwondo, they, yeah. Well, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say. Uh, they, uh, sorry, we're jinxing. Okay, okay, I'll go. I'm going. 
<laughs> Everyone else, shut the fuck up. I'm talking. No. Let the guest uh, speak. <laughs> so a lot of the martial arts considered traditional martial arts, they concentrate a lot on uh, rote memorization of like pre-patterned mm-hmm. movements called kata and so on. And that's kind of mm-hmm. forms the basis for their fighting style. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a fighting style evolved because the, the Gracies who lived in Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, they basically had an open come fight us thing we're going on right and so that sport developed as a combination of uh, traditional japanese judo um brought to brazil by a japanese diplomat mm-hmm. combined with real rio de janeiro street fighting and so it got honed into a system that was designed to actually win street fights as opposed to having a uh, a rigid curriculum traditional curriculum it was something that is a living art that adapts in order to counteract the newest technologies that face it right and so you see like things come in and out of style as certain fighting styles become predominant mm-hmm. it's very much like the meta game in a game like overwatch when a new character gets buffed right everything mm-hmm. gets swizzled around and shuffled and then new sets of characters become effective so that's that's brazilian jiu-jitsu in a nutshell I remember watching the very first UFC where Gracie uh, went off. I think yeah. it was Shamrock that he fought in the final there. And you're just looking at this little guy in a gi, and you're like, there's no way. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's these wrestler guys that are massive and you know slamming people through ropes. You got this yeah. giant in Shamrock who's just the, like he's basically Sagat walking. Yep. And it, it wasn't until you really kind of honed in on the technique that both those gentlemen had in, in both Shamrock and, and uh, Gracie, the only two, the, the only two people who understood submission. They're the only two people yeah. who really, really, I think understood fighting. They were ahead of their time. Obviously the Gracie family's waste. They're still ahead of their time. It's crazy. Yeah. It's weird. If you look at the first, U- the first couple of UFCs, the, the, the jujitsu is extremely rudimentary from Hoist. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He was not the he was not the best fighter in the family. No. Um, that's still the story that blows my mind. They just sent him. Yeah. He was like the fifth brother or something. Yeah, he was just kind of like fifth string bench warmer brother. And uh, you know, look at him. He still he still trashed everybody. And uh, you know, if you look at the Brazilian jujitsu used those days, it, again, it looks very rudimentary now compared to the fighting that you see now. Uh, whereas the same people who are doing the same when I was doing kung fu at the time that USC one came on mm-hmm. the school that I was at is doing the same katas now that they were doing during U- when UFC one was on, whereas the fighting in the UFC has changed completely due to the influence of different styles and mm-hmm. different techniques. And so that's why you stick with something like MMA and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is because, well, it's always growing and it's always changing. Whereas, uh, you know, the, the katas in Shotokan karate have been the same katas since, uh, you know, time memoriam. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, comforting yeah, I, to some. I, I was uh, the black sheep of the family because my grandfather, who's um, he's also a doctor, he runs a karate club. Mm-hmm. And the whole family got in on it. They're all black belts. You know, they've yeah. done world championships and all of that. And I was the black sheep and chose dancing instead. Yeah. But um, I, I still think martial arts is something that everyone should do because not only is it great exercise, but it's something that could save your life if, if you yeah. needed to. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much, I'm very much pro that. I think that's another disservice that a lot of traditional martial arts do is that they give you an inflated sense of confidence, you know, yes. and that the, the the sparring is not done in a, a live, I guess what they call in a live sense where you have a fully resisting opponent. Like so, boxing is generally done with a, a fully active resist, resisting opponent, 
Mm-hmm. Um, jiu-jitsu is by definition a, a live martial art where you you spar against a fully resisting opponent, whereas sparring in traditional martial arts is typically done like a game of tag or, or like a gentlemanly agreement not to hurt one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's a disservice when it comes time to actually hit somebody or do whatever you want to do. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a value at all. I'm saying that the value of a lot of traditional martial arts come from the ability to communicate to you how to fight effectively. That's kind of what I'm... Yeah. That's well, the no, I totally agree, yeah. A mutual friend of ours, actually, uh, Jeff Muller, he, yeah. he he had to fight for his life. Like, when I asked him that question at, at San Diego, you know, near-death experience, mm-hmm. I've, hold, I've heard the full, full story before, but he was trapped. He had two Rottweilers, a guy with a bat that wanted to literally kill Jeff. Yeah. And only his martial arts training saved him that day. Sure. No, it's good, man. I think... I think that we we live a very fortunate life in this country and in a lot of Western countries where we don't often, most of us don't know violence on a day-to-day basis. There certainly are those mm-hmm. who do contend with those sorts of things on a day-to-day basis. But um, I think it's important that everyone know how to fight, you know? Uh, they, I think everybody should know the basics of like situational awareness and environmental awareness and especially like teach it to your kids and especially your daughters, you know, like, Mm-hmm. There's always been there's always been something in me that can immediately tell if a situation is about to go south, you know, like the tone of the room changes or something, you know, or there's a car on that corner that wasn't there is never there and it's there now, you know, and and it's like it's actually saved me like several times, like I've I've hightailed it out of a room like ten seconds before a fight started because like I don't I do not want any part of this, mm-hmm. you know. I grew up and, in a. I, I grew up in a Canadian version of a ghetto, which probably doesn't sound too scary to too many people, but I, I, I kind of learned the same sort of instincts where mm-hmm. it was, you know, this doesn't feel right, so I'm just not yeah. going to be here. And, you know, some people will look at you going, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just can't be here. And I, I, yeah. you know, I didn't wrong, right? Yeah, there's something wrong with the room right now. I'm just, I got to take a step out, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, like several times, man, something bad has gone down in a room that I have just decided to get up and leave, you know? Like everything becomes all sinister all of a sudden or something, you know, and it's like you get the heebie-jeebies and it's like, well, can't, can't do it. Sorry. So where did your love of scotch come from? Uh, I guess a couple of places. Um, so uh, Amy, who's also known as uh, Lexical Unit on Twitter and so on, uh, you know, really, really close friend of mine, dear, dear friend, um, would do anything for Amy, anything. And uh, so she is the kind, of, I think, kind of the one who introduced me to Scotch peripherally. But the main influence <clears throat> for me there came from uh, the job I had two jobs ago, and I was working for a small consulting firm. And uh, the guy was kind of a Scotch nut, and so uh, you know, wanting to get in good with the boss, as yep. we all do, right? I was like, yeah. He just offered to show me his Scotch collection, and I was like, yeah, sure, man, I, I would love to, right? And so. He started talking real passionately about scotch, and you know, I kind of got carried away with it. I was like, "Wow, this dude really loves his scotch." Drawn into the passion, like, and, and and yeah, and it's not like in a kind of a a stupid like dude who buys the Mercedes because it's a Mercedes guy, right? He didn't buy expensive bottles of scotch because they were expensive bottles of scotch. He actually cared about the subject, and so I I always appreciate that a lot when I encounter somebody who's like that, like not in it for the status symbol, but someone with like a really genuine like passionate interest in a subject. Um, and I guess that kind of rubbed off on me a little bit, you know? 
I mean, you it's can probably, see <laughs> every, yeah. every, every Tuesday, Thursday on my, on my stream. Well, it, it's it's funny off. because I, I have a very similar thing. My dad is is the person that is the big scotch drinker in my family, and mm-hmm. you know, whenever I'm with him, he's he's he. It's like watching your stream. It's like he's the same sort of conversation. I'm like, I need to get better at this. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's yeah. it's it's not that I like I enjoy a nice scotch. It's just sure I don't have the breadth of knowledge that both of you guys have, and I and it's something I want to have, but it's an expensive yeah. thing to it's an expensive hobby. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what a hobby is, though. It's a, yeah. it's a it's an it's a sink for any any spare income you have. That's the def, kind of the definition of a hobby. But it's like everybody's got their own thing, you know. It's like I I like scotch and I like martial arts, and then you know other people might like you know collecting some other kind of thing, or they might like wine or craft beers or or you know whatever. You know, it's like it's cool to learn stuff. You know, it's cool to be excited about something. It really just is. as easily it could just have, as e- have easily been something completely different, you know, mm-hmm. cooking or something or, you know, it's it's just that's what makes people interesting. It's like a overriding passion for excellence about about something, you know. I think I think that's why you relate so well to Team Homan. Um, is is that is a common trait I think amongst all of us. We all have just a passion for something, and and I think yeah. really that's what being a geek is. You can you can be uh, passionate for oh, sports. Yeah geek you could be passionate for scotch you're a geek that's just the simple definition is being super passionate about something and i like you i'm drawn into that i'm like why do you love this so much teach me show me like because it just looks so cool to be so in love with something yeah and you know that's a very good definition for the word the word geek i i have a slightly different definition but that's pretty good too Hmm. uh i well uh for me, I kind of separate them out a little bit. What you just defined as geek, I actually call a nerd. Although I tend to use the word geek interchangeably as well. Mm. Uh, geek, I tend to find is a bit more consumptive of externally generated artifacts, usually okay. of, a trans- yeah. of a transient nature like media. Yeah, or, uh, A nerd is generally someone who likes to, to obtain in-depth knowledge on like one or more subjects that they care about. And, and, and I think if you look at it, like San Diego Comic-Con, right, you were there, right? It's like, I was. well, that's a pretty consumptive environment, right? Yes, absolutely. It, they can't say that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an environment that is based off of, of consumption and not celebration of like, you know, knowledge or, or art, because if you went in the convention center, the, the very least traveled place was the artist alley where the people who create the shit you consume actually are there and available to talk to about their art. Right. See, this is something and that this, always... this is a soapbox. This is actually a soapbox of mine. <laughs> no, but I'm on the so soapbox. Don't mind me. <laughs> I'm just bitching, whenever, so. whenever I go to a convention, it doesn't matter which one I spend the majority of my time in artist alley for two well, main reasons. Yeah, man. I mean, did you see who was there? Fucking the guy who did Sam and Max. It's <laughs> like there, dude. Like, remember that Sam and Max hit the road, that old yeah. LucasArts game, yeah, and then the yeah. comic, the comic book Sam and Max. The dude's just hanging out, drawing pictures and talking to people, randos. Yep. You know, just talking to your randos. The guy who did Sam and Max. It's like, wow, this is a really incredible thing. Even people, people are people are crowded along the what was it the, I guess the north side of the convention center where all the like Blizzard and shit were, yeah, you know, line, lined yeah. up to get their little Funko figurines and stuff. And like, that's, that seems to be that the predominant definition of the word geek is the, the, the consumptive nature of it. You know, 
I, I could see that. I can, I, I, yeah, I usually, unlike you, I usually, the terms very interchangeably. Yeah. But, yeah. I think there's, they're colored, they're different colors, you know, but uh, yeah, the monetizing of it were, yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying. I get what you're it's, saying. It's, it's hair splitting for sure, but for sure. Now you, you've been to a few comic cons. How did this one rate for you? Um, I thought it was great. I always have a good time. I know I just, I just spent a bunch of paragraphs spewing, <laughs> spewing like bile about it, but uh, I had a really great time. I mean, the the human get together was absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It was really great. How, how was that DJ? Right? Oh, dude. Yeah. Put that guy in a I, bottle. Oh Jesus. my god, yeah, man! Blair posted a video of that. He shared it to Tierlin and I, and I'm just like sad facing the entire time. I'm like, I want to be there. Yeah. Music's my thing. He's yeah, the best that's... DJ. Best DJ, and everything was good. He didn't he didn't play like the geek stuff to be like cloying or like. Mm-hmm. A, a clever head nod. It was like integrated in there beautifully, like the mm-hmm. DuckTales theme. It's like, oh, yeah. like he, he, he didn't do it laughing at people who like DuckTales. Like he played that shit because it's the bomb, you know? Yeah. And you can tell, like you can, you can tell someone who's pandering, you know, and you can tell yeah. someone who's genuine. Well, and he wouldn't play, he, he'd mix it in and then he'd mix yeah. it out and then he'd bring in Sailor Moon and he'd mix it yep. out. He'd bring in Captain Planet and mix it. And then mm-hmm. the Zelda, the Zelda one. Oh my God. Oh dude, that Zelda one tore me in the <laughs> asshole, dude. That was like, that one I'm played so with my emotions, jealous. man. And then yeah. mixing in the 80 power, the eighties power ballads and just, yep. it was so good. Oh, I had such but, a good. See, when, the I, panel when I go was on fun. a show, like that's, that's how my shows usually come out when I, uh, yeah, venture on air. That's that's the kind of stuff that I do. So that's why I was so jealous. I was like, "Come on, why are you why are you cock teasing this? goddamn it, Blair!" Yeah, I would have <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that set list that he played because he was like, it was so good. I actually um, had, he didn't do the whole night. I was surprised. I heard that he phased out around midnight. Yeah, so I think the deal was was that there the they there wasn't an exclusive rental on yeah. the club. Yeah. It was only a part. It was only a part night rental. Yeah, because uh, it was really prohibitively expensive to do the full night. Um, uh, that's the deal there. But hey, you know, better, you know, better some than none. You know what I mean? It, it was good um, to throw a little bit of shade on the place, though. Some of my friends didn't get in because they were letting paying people in instead of the you know people have been yeah, in line for they, a couple dude, hours. They, they were they were letting some shady fucking people in, man. Yep. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that. Like, did you, oh, so speaking of like situational awareness, like we did a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. was there? Did you did you recognize that point where the tenor of the room changed a little bit and it got a little more violent? Did you did you sense that at some point? I apparently like I I left just before that that happened, but a lot of other yeah. people because because my friends are like we're going home, and I'm like, well, fuck yeah. this, and I'm not going to give this place any more of my money. So I, I left, and and from what I read from the the chat, the human chat that we had there on Twitter, it was about half an hour after I left where it just the vibe changed dramatically. Yep, the vibe changed because I I uh, I got to say bye to Veswa. Did you leave before or after Veswa? I, I don't think I met Veswa. No. I, I had to go take care of my girlfriend, so I left a little early. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was, it was yeah. pretty soon. It was pretty soon after we rocked out to Journey. That okay. I, I was okay. Listening. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there a bit longer, but uh, yeah, it was uh, the the tone of the room changed completely after they started letting in randos. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, I I know I know your sister and and, and the team did the best they can. It was just yep. uh, unfortunate that it turned out the way it did. Yeah. Yeah, still fun. <laughs> totally. You're saying the panel, though. I actually missed the panel. I, I was landing. Oh. I actually got to the convention hall about 1230, and I was like, uh, it's probably not 
going to let me in, so I just went to the carnival instead. But uh, I missed the it panel. It was great fun. I hated. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great fun. Um, it, an hour flies by, I'll tell you that. It it really does. Like I did a few panels, and they were like they're over already, and like they're banging down the doors to get the next people mm-hmm. in. I'm like, this is this. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Every panel I went to felt like that. But I guess when they try to squeeze them all in. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, Ryan, do you have any tips? I'm actually going to be speaking at Oz Comic Con in September oh, on yeah? my very own panel. Yeah, so I'm so what's excited. Your, what's, so, your, what's your panel on? Um, I've called it Listening to the Voices in Your Head, and I'll just talk about, uh, you know, getting published and yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy characters in there. So, yeah, do you have any tips? Because I'm pretty sure it'll just be my mum and boyfriend in the audience, but, you know. Oh, don't don't sell yourself short. Seriously, there's always an audience. Yeah, don't. <laughs> life will hit you hard enough, man. Don't don't hit yourself hard as well. Don't don't anticipate failure. That's all I got to tell you. Oh, no. All good. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Well, do, what, do you have any sort of, yeah, tips or, you know, what, what should I look out for? Is it what kind of experience do you think it will be? I don't know. You're uh, just kind of sitting there. You're you're sitting up there at a in a chair, facing the audience. Um, I want like a Morpheus chair. How cool would that be? No, really, it, it's it's really difficult to uh, actually for me. Yep. Look at like like see any distinct faces out because the room was really big where they had us. Yeah, you're in the and, Indigo, uh, aren't you? Yeah, we were in the Indigo Ballroom. So it's pretty big, pretty big room. We were there last year too. So it's a lot of people, and it's pretty intimidating. But uh, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. Be yourself, I guess. That's the shittiest advice anybody ever gave. <laughs> no, but, but I think it's great advice for Terrilyn. She's she's got a natural charisma yeah. to her, and she's she's the only one who doesn't see it. So, you got a panel, right? You got that yeah. far. You can you can certainly yeah. you can certainly execute correctly on the panel if you got that far, right? Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, what really is there? Is there anything like what specifically are you asking? Like, what do you? Oh, look, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's fun. just nervous. Have, have fun with it. Have fun. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll no, let you know how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, have fun. It's, it's really cool. Be yeah. appreciative that people uh, saw value in what you had to offer enough for, you, for them to give you a room. Yeah, right? very true. Uh, gratitude, man. Oh, gratitude, yeah, totally. to, gra- gratitude to everybody who spent their valuable time coming to see you as well, right? Yeah, and for people um, who just wanted to rest their feet. <laughs> yeah. yeah you no, know, totally. I, I'm really looking forward to it. You, you'll have you to should. make a trip to Australia so you can do an Oz Comic Con panel. It's it's awesome. Like, you know, just be grateful that people are coming to see you. Be grateful they gave you a panel. Um, yeah, definitely. Be proud of what it is that you've accomplished and, like, uh, speak about things that you're really proud of. Yep. And uh, if people ask you about how you did X, Y, it's like be grateful that they care enough about what you have to think to ask you a question. Like, uh, yeah, there's not enough gratitude in the world, man. Like oh, people feel people feel entitled, like they're shits. <gasps> like people people are really shitty. Exactly. Like should... even sorry, yeah. go on. I was just about to say, even with my students, like you get um, dance mums, as it were. Mm-hmm. You say, my kid deserves this. My kid deserves that. I'm sorry, your kid doesn't deserve anything. They have to earn it. You no, know they what don't. I mean? Yeah. But yeah, they think just because they show up, they're going to get a trophy. And it doesn't work <sighs> that way. And I'm sick of that entitlement. Oh, God. I have a big problem with that. Yeah, don't yeah. even get me started of it. 
Good stuff. Okay, well, a couple uh, real quick questions. I'll ask yeah, one. Man. I'll get Joey to get the last one in here. Are you doing the Google the uh, Are you doing the Pokemon Go? Um, yeah, I did. But so here's the deal. Um, like walking around in downtown San Diego and yeah. having Comic Con go on, and and there was just like everyone was throwing out lures left and right on these Pokestops, and then seriously. I was staying in a hotel in downtown and like I couldn't walk a block without getting 15 Pokemon when I was in San Diego. And then I returned back here to Austin <laughs> and it's like a fucking Pokemon <laughs> desert, man. There's like not a living creature in sight. And so I've yeah. kind of, I've kind of stopped playing. Um, I did have lunch with my girlfriend today at a restaurant that had four Pokestops in like one small area. And mm-hmm. so we, we were just kind of sitting around there having lunch and then catching a bunch of Pokemon because they were just constantly popping up because the business owners always put lures down because it's oh, good, good, good business, good business right? Um, but other than that, I've kind of stopped playing because I, you know, I'm at home or I'm at work, and there's no real. There's one Pokestop two blocks away from my house, and then at work I'm fucking working, so I'm not going to be playing fucking Pokemon at work. So it was crazy, San Diego, and and it yeah. really. Cu- you just he—he's not even kidding you. You just go everywhere. There's lures everywhere. There's Pokemon everywhere. Like shit that I've never yeah, seen. They're just throwing themselves at your feet. These Pokemon, man, they had no shame. Shameless. Yep. <laughs> and then you get home and like it's just like oh look, Pidgeys yeah. and Rattatas again. Like, nah, I'm so, it's like I'm so thirsty now. Like Pokemon thirst. <laughs> I got that Pokemon thirst going on. I—I like, I, I understand what you're saying. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and for our last question, Joey, what do we ask all of our guests? So, Ryan, we have to know, how incredibly freaking amazing is Toronto Gal? Oh, dude, I don't know, man. I've been a Toronto Gal fan since way back, dude, since before it was cool. <laughs> I've been a, I, was a, I was a Toronto Girl fan from, from way the fuck back. She's been a mainstay in Geek and Sundry since Geek and Sundry was a thing, um, yep. since the Guild first started, as far as I know. Yep. Uh, she's like a really fucking incredible, like, person i don't know what to say i hope that one day she can make it to one of these conventions or like a human get together because she's like uh if there's one person who deserves it it's like her mm-hmm. she's the the uh apotheosis of humanity in my mind so she's our you know. beacon i mean, i live in i live in the same city as her and I, i've uh, tried i've really tried and you is know, she I mean, just is she just shy or what like what's going on there yeah, there's a little bit of that. There's yeah. a, there's some social anxiety, and and yeah. you know she's behind a keyboard. She's at her strongest in her in her own words, yeah. and you know I mean if she's ever ready, she yep. knows that yeah, hey look everything. we're all willing, arms open, everything but, in uh, its own time, man. Yep. But uh, I want to thank Ryan Day for joining us here on this. Oh, for sure. Uh, anything anything else? I got a little extra time. If you guys got a little extra time. Hey man, we keep talking. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, anything else, guys? I mean, shit. I've got some rapid while, fire while questions you, that I could throw while you, while you While you got me, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. All right, Joey, go ahead. All right, rapid fire. Here we go, Ryan. Although, 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 although you, I, must warn you, I must warn you, I, I don't do good with rapid fire because I always end up bloviating for like five minutes per question. You, so Do you? You do you. Good, good luck editing this, dude. <laughs> That's Joey's thing. Anyway. I've been editing these things since episode five. Yeah. We, oh, don't even kid me here, okay? <laughs> Old All right. school. <laughs> Alright, favorite color? Blue. Favorite TV show of all time. We know you don't watch a lot of, you don't watch a lot of TV, but the number one favorite of all time? Oh man, I can tell you, dude. It, it's always what makes you 
how it makes you feel, you know? Like, like for me, the best executed TV show, bar none, is either Fargo, the new Fargo, or, or Breaking Bad. Like, the execution's masterful, right? But, like, when it comes to make something that makes you feel good, like you remember it fondly, it's got to be Mystery Science Theater 3000, because I remember an otherwise really sad childhood being really brightened up by that, by that show. So the original, gonna, the original MST3K for me. Are you going to show up on set? The new uh, one? I don't know, man. I mean, I will. If, if asked, I shall. I mean, I wrote an episode and a half, so. Jesus, really? What? Cool. <laughs> I, I thought the entire episode, the way it works is the, you, you have a writing team and then you, you riff right. the movie and then everybody's riffs get picked through and then the cream of the crop makes it into the final cut. So virtual I don't know. High five, man! Virtual. Yeah, high five. I, 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 did some pretty good gags, if I do say so myself. So I'm hoping I get, I get some into the episode. So, awesome. Just quickly, do you watch uh, the Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul? I haven't seen it. <gasps> oh, dude, you got to get yeah. into that if you I've, like Breaking Bad. I've heard Bad, it's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've heard it's good. I just don't have time to watch TV. It's one thing that I've almost mm-hmm. completely given up in lieu of other things. I've got an entire list of things. Beginning with Stranger Things, which I want to watch. So yeah, everybody's watch talking that. about that. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to see it. I don't even know the premise yet. What's the premise? I don't know, Strange man. Strange things. Yeah, weird shit. Weird shit. Okay, X Files. I'm in. Oh, I'm it. sorry. Weirder, <laughs> weirder shit. That's what it is. It's all about weirder shit. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, sorry, next bro. next rapid fire question with a non rapid fire answer. <laughs> what is your worst habit? Of uh, chewing my fingernails, without a fucking doubt, dude. Disgusting. Done it since I was a kid, managed to quit for a few months at a time, and I always come back to gnawing the shit out of my nasty-ass, ripped-up, cuticle-looking fingers, dude. I have to second that one. I have the same problem, and it drives me insane that I can't stop. I also curse a lot more than I should. Yeah. Your biggest pet peeve? Um, people saying uh, less when they mean fewer. I don't know, man. Uh, that, that certainly gets on my, <laughs> gets on my nerves. Um, I don't know, dude. I just don't like... Just uh, you know what it is though, N- non-conscientiousness. Just like going through life, like accepting whatever, you know, not being considerate of other people's needs, like yeah. not not acknowledging the role that other people have in your success, like mm-hmm. ingratitude, not being conscientious about things, you know, just not analyzing how you did that day, just like blitheness and thoughtlessness like not attempting to evolve as a person that that fucking that bugs the shit out of me and and it's got a lot of different forms you know but all of them are bad that is the best answer in the world i totally agree with you yeah non-fucking conscientiousness man it's like like do some introspection every single morning and every single night before you go to bed you're like what do you want to do that day and then how did you do like results versus expectations? Like, did you hurt anybody's feelings unnecessarily? Like, did you like show gratitude to anybody? Like, yep. did you bring, did you bring value to your, to your life or the life of somebody else that day? Like those are the most important things, you know? Whenever I'm stressed out because there's always 150 things I've got to do, I do yeah. like to meditate. And for what sure. I do to, yeah, and to get into the meditation, I always do five things I'm grateful for. And a lot of mm-hmm. people, I think, make the mistake of saying, oh, I'm grateful that I have a big house or whatever. But I say, oh, yeah. I'm grateful I can see color. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. We can see color. I'm grateful I can walk, you know, things like that. And suddenly 
I'm not so stressed anymore. Everything just calms down and everything yeah. is doable and life is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It could be worse. Everything can be, always be worse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can be better too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what, you know, yep. what, can you, what can you do to make it better, right? Like every yeah, day. All for that. Every See, fucking that day, should, dude. That should be a religion, shouldn't it? You, you I can think make they like, try. A day <laughs> oh, God, no. Don't even joke about that. <laughs> I can I can I can spout half baked homilies all fucking day. Uh you know, and it's like I've just learned it through being a piece of shit and not wanting to be a piece of shit anymore. And it's like I I am not any better than anybody else in this world. It's just like yeah. I tell you uh, it came from hurting people really badly that I cared about and then trying to find out why and then being hell bent to never do it again. Even though I know that's an impossible goal, right? It's like, well, shoot for the stars and if you hit the moon, that's pretty good too. But oh, it's man. like... That's great. I mean, and he's not hes not spouting shit either. I mean, we we're the whole time in San Diego, you were talking to everybody like, they, you know, just regular people. I mean, you, you have to understand you probably have a status symbol within the community. Everybody wants to meet you. But you treat everybody like they're just a, an honest-to-goodness dude oh. that you met on the street. It was awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad that you uh, said that. That's really nice of you to say. I appreciate no, that. It's it's the thing that stuck out the most to me. I mean, there's a lot of people that you meet that have that sort of status that it gets to their head. And with you, I never saw it, not even for a second, which was awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's an old story. It's like uh, Roman emperors. They used to have a <clears throat> a slave whose only job was to follow behind them and say, you were but a man. Like that was their entire job was to whisper in hmm. their ear, you know, you're but a man. And it's like, uh, we're all just fucking accidents, man. All of us, every single one of us. <laughs> an accident you know happy accidents but accidents <laughs> not from the perspective of, of being you know born or how you're conceived but just in a cosmically right and uh incredibly mm-hmm. unlikely event to have ever happened so that's true yeah there's a great saying that says live life as if it was on purpose yeah yeah anyway sorry joey <laughs> no it's totally Next. fine uh yeah actually this kind of rolls along with it if your if your life right now was kind of like an hour-long drama on, say, like CW or something. What would your theme Ooh. song be? Like, what would what theme, <laughs> what song would be the theme song of Ryan Day? Oh Jesus! I don't even know any like new songs. Uh, <laughs> Nobody no, said it had to be. No, new. no, you know what it would be right now is no Scrubs, dude. Right now. <laughs> that's, that's an in joke for those. A, yeah. Comic. But but a propos at the same time. You want to tell I, I am. I am. Know? I am in the no scrubs phase of my life at this time. You know, like I don't accept scrubs in my life, and I will not accept scrub-like behavior from me either. So, for those no, of you that I, know the story, the Spotify I mean, story. Yeah. So I just like every week. Um, every week, there's two relevant Spotify playlists. There's the the auto-generated one for you on Mondays, where. Spotify looks at what you like and what you've been listening to and it makes a new playlist for you full of songs you may or may not have heard that you may or may not have liked. And the other relevant playlist is New Music Friday, which I, I tweeted about a bit this past Friday. But um, So uh, I'm listening to um, not my Spotify playlist, but I was like, okay, I'll find another playlist. And it was like the, the classic 90s R&B playlist that they auto-generated. And so TLC's No Scrubs comes up on it and i'm like oh this is pretty good i haven't listened to this in like 15 years right mm-hmm. and uh so I, I i i get listening and i guess my my subconscious is listening to no scrubs by tlc and it's doing some sort of 
textual analysis on it. And then all of a sudden it strikes me that this song's pretty fucking deep, man. Right. So I'm like, I'm like listening. I'm like, so I think I hear something and I'm like, well, did, did she just fucking say that dude? Like, that's pretty fucking deep. This, this song, this song scrubs by TLC. And let me bring up the lyrics real quick. <laughs> she says a couple of things, right? And this is a remarkable, and the more I think about it, the more I think that this is a remarkable fucking song, right? So she says, she says, and I quote, hold on a sec. Let me find this fucking thing. This is great. Wrong lyrics. Hold on a sec. Ah, here they are. Okay. So basically a scrub and the, what I, what I said on the the Comic-Con panel was, so, you know, it's a guy in the, the, the passenger seat of his best friend's ride hollering at this chick, right? And and it's just this overall declasse, inconsiderate behavior, right? That's kind of what a scrub is. But like, there's more to what a scrub is, right? Because at one point in the song, she says, Lisa Left Eye Lopez says, if you can't spatially expand her horizon, then you are a scrub. You're a scrub class. So So not only is a scrub defined by like, declasse behavior but even if you're just a basic bitch who like doesn't analyze their life and is not able to provide like positive accruing value to your partner's life then you're still a scrub right Mm -hmm. and then what i really like about this song is is that she says something very particular she says she says i don't want none of your time right and time is the most valuable resource in a human being's life and by the transitive property, if you're a scrub, the most valuable thing in your entire life is worth nothing to a person of value. If you're a scrub, that's like that's how shit you are. Is that oh your your time, <laughs> your time is fucking worthless, man. Like you're a scrub. Like what do you have to offer, right? Your your time is is worthless. So this is like a remarkable song. And what I really like about this song is that I think this song came out in like what ninety four or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I was just like, coming out of high school. <laughs> yeah. This is a song apart because this isn't like one of those weepy, I can't live without you, like like love lasts forever, even if you're a shitty dude, I still love you and that's what matters. It's like, no, no there's there's no compromising here. It's like Get the this fuck is a, out. This, Yeah, this is a very liberated song. And that's what I really like about it. It's like it's very attitude. It's someone who's non non compromising utterly, utterly uncompromising about what they will accept from another human being. And like like the world would be a lot better if more people didn't put up with scrubs, you know, and don't put up with scrub like behavior from yourself either. Mm-hmm. Like don't look in the mirror every morning and you're like, am I a scrub? Like, did I, is like there any, any scrub on me? Did I get any on me? Did I, <laughs> did I, did I become a scrub overnight? Like, did I slip up and do something scrubby today? It's like, these are really, really important questions that you should ask every single day. Am I, am I, yeah, am I tolerating scrubness or am I, am I manifesting scrubness this day? You will never get a better answer than that, Joey. (laughs) We might as well retire that question. No scrubs, dude. I love this answer. This is probably the best answer out of any rapid fire I've ever done. Like, and, and listen to this song. It's like so good too. Like you can be like, yeah, this is a good song. I listen to that song like every single week. Yeah, dude, do it again with with this new shit that's come to light about this song. Yeah, I'll never and hear it. Like, yeah, goddamn, you should. 
Yeah, because that lyric is in the rap version, which is the version that you see in the video. Because if you if you get the album, it's not on the original album. Yeah. Yep. All right. So one other. All right. One other quick sure, question go. for you. Do it. All right. If you were a member of the Spice Girls, what would your spice handle be? Um, I don't know, dude. Scotch spice. <laughs> <laughs> Scotchy spice. <laughs> no, no, no. That'd be peaty spice. Peaty spice. You'd have just moss all over your body. <laughs> and I'd have a fine smoky smell to me too. Peaty, peaty spice, dude. There you go. There's your answer right there. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Fucking peaty spice, dude. <laughs> all right. One last. All right. One last. Go. One for okay. You. I'm gonna make sure. All right. Do let it. Me make sure it's a good one here. All right. Uh, Do you have a list? Are you, are you picking oh, randomly? I, oh, I have a list, okay. and I I usually just pick off them at random. I don't usually set them aside. Uh, I could ask that one, but that would be no, 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 no. All right. How about this? We all know that there are tons of you know books that either become TV shows or movies. What sure. is actually a book that you love? And if it was mm-hmm. executed well, yeah. What book would you like to see hit either the silver screen or the small screen? My book. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> let's see here. I would say the Name of the Wind by Pat Rothfuss probably make oh. a good miniseries. Don't you think? Good miniseries. Good, good choice. Yeah. I feel so stupid sort, sort because of, I don't know this book. <laughs> oh, dude. You got to get it. Well, I'm going to now. You got to get it, man. <laughs> and speaking of books, when are you going to write a book? Uh, when I get something enough to write about. I've done a lot of things, but I haven't done one thing like deeply enough or well enough to, to write a book about my achievements in it. So I guess that's sort of a good life goal to have, you know? You know, you should Even do. The- you should do like a chapter a month kind of a thing, like, and just release it on Amazon, yeah. and then we all swarm <laughs> Amazon and grab it. Oh, uh, okay. Hey, wait. Here's another one. Um, how about? Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Scott Lynch, but uh, the Gentleman Bastard books, starting with the Lies of Locke Lamora, those would make really, really great films. Mm, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, they're that really, good. they're really good fantasy. And then the the Joe Abercrombie First Law books as well. Those would make really good. Game of Thrones, like HBO miniseries. Okay, I know. I've got a lot of two reads now. Yeah. Yeah. I am one of the rare people that are excited for this Wheel of Time adaptation that's coming out. We'll see. We'll well, and see. see. That, that's what everyone else is saying. Is it's such yeah. a beautiful book series. It's one of my favorites, but you could ruin it very yeah. easily. Uh, that's why I'm reserving judgment completely. I'm excited to see it yeah. because it's rather you see it or you don't see it. I still have my books. My books aren't changing, right? So mm-hmm. um, if I want to go back to that world, I could reread them. But yeah, if, if they do it justice, if they do it well, it could be great. But I it could also complete. But it it's could be the really way the Shannara series. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be expensive too. It's going to be difficult and expensive. Well, we'll see. Anything else, Joe? Are you good? Uh, well, I just wanted to throw this out there. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in in turn, like okay, so the, if with my personal theme song anthem, it's nowhere near as great as Ryan's answer. Uh, I just mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw this out there because all right, let's let's hear it. All right, let's hear it. It is "Work Bitch" by Britney Spears. Okay. Um, now, see that's that's their after reaction is what I get from yeah. people. But when you stop yeah. and you look at how and you analyze the song like you did with Scrubs, it has a good point. You want anything in life, you have to work for it, no matter yeah, what you oh, do. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, you I, know, if, I appreciate wanna, that. Yeah. If you want to wear a bikini, which not me necessarily, but if I want to look good in a bathing suit, I need to get up out of the house. I need to go out, which thank God for Pokemon Go, because I probably would never have gotten out of the house. I've already lost 10, almost 15 hey. pounds now just from playing the oh, game. Good for you, man. That's Nicely really good. Done. Good Whenever job. Get you moving. Yeah. Because that's the Everybody kind of person that I am. Like, I've, if something's not pushing me to get, actually go do it, some people are like, well, you know, if you know, if you you know, you want a nice, good arms and chest or abs or whatever, like you get to work out. I'm like, okay, but there's nothing actually pushing me to do it. There's nothing else sidelined yeah. along with it. It's kind of like that's the end result. Now, what kind of you know, gonna push me along with it? It's kind of like World of Warcraft. Yeah. You want that ultimate Internal, weapon? Uh, well, there's yep. all these cool it, quests to get me experience. There's nothing else leading me there. <laughs> Yeah, come yeah, from in, within. Internal, uh, yeah, internal motivation is the most healthy kind. You know, Every, everything else comes and goes. If it's if it's inside, it stays. Yeah, yeah. You have to find if you have a goal. The if you have a goal or something that you must do, get healthy. For instance, the mm-hmm. the best way to do is to find somewhere deep inside of you a a internal motivation for having that goal done. And uh, if it's Pokemon Go to build your Pokedex, then fuck yeah, dude, build that Pokedex, man. Pikachu is my white whale. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Let's go, Captain Ahab. I'm not even going to tease you with mine this week. I'm yeah, please do don't. Like, I know where you live. <laughs> well, you know the country I live in. <laughs> Maybe even the city. <laughs> it's a big city. Uh, Dearland, do you have anything else you'd like to talk to Ryan about? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I'm really impressed with a lot of the knowledge that you shared with us today. It's been really Oh, good. dude, it was nothing, man. I, I just I could talk all day. Um, no, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, though. Yeah, we may no, have to get I, you. I, I, Sorry, I was go just going to say, I've, I've always enjoyed watching you for entertainment value, but it's great to actually have a proper conversation. And oh, wow, well, cool. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate great. that. I'm glad I'm glad you had as good a time as I did. That was really, that's yeah. really good to hear. Thanks, Ryan. Well, yeah, Ryan, we'll definitely have to get you on a little bit later yeah. once we've built for this sure, man. Out and grow it. But I want to thank our guest, Ryan Day, for joining yeah. us here today. Well, thank you. And thanks for uh, you know all the hard work you do interviewing uh unsung members of our uh, of our little community it's really a great service you provide us thank you a, a lot of the people keep asking us oh can you get more on air ta- talent and i'm like yeah we'll mix those in but this podcast yeah. is about you guys it's about the humans and, yeah. and and we're all just people you know ryan said it himself you just people all yep. of us accidents among us <laughs> well cool so, so again thank you once again ryan day for joining thank us thank you and, and until and next time you. guys take care see you guys around Take it easy. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You beat me to it. See ya. <laughs>